Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If Peter is saying that the way I treat my wife has the potential to hinder my prayers, then wouldn't that also mean that if I treat my wife respectfully, dwell with her in understanding, as another translation renders it, very interesting word in the original, and am considerate and loving, that my prayers will be heard? You betcha. You betcha. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Whether it's your spouse, children, friends, co-workers, or even your enemies, prayer has a way of transforming your attitude as well as theirs. As Pastor J.D. will explain in today's message, oftentimes you may go to your knees frustrated with that person just for God to reveal that the problem is in your heart more than theirs. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 1 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. This is actually something my wife and I uh, did many, many years ago. We made the decision to never discuss weighty issues in the evening when we're tired because there was such a greater propensity for a conflict. That we would always wait until the morning. We had a good night's sleep. We were fresh. God's mercies are new every morning. And we would seek Him first, and we would pray, and I'll tell you, it changes the whole complexion. In fact, what usually happens is you wake up the next morning, and and you're like, okay, what what was that argument about again last night? (laughs) Oh, the toothpaste cap. Yeah, that was it, I'm sure. Boy, that was a deal breaker, wasn't it? But this is how God has made us. Our heart will change toward those for whom we choose to pray. And I use the word choose for a reason. The reason is, is that the onus is on us to make the decision to go against how we feel about them and choose to pray for them. And when we do, boom, it changes everything. Because you might start off with, Lord, just bless them. And it might be like that at first, but boy, it's not long before it goes from, Lord, bless them, to, Lord, bless them. Bless them. You pronounce God's blessing on them, and you know what happens? God blesses you, and God changes you. I think it's something that Oswald Chambers once said. Maybe this is a word for somebody here today. I know that uh, God used it in my life in a powerful way, especially in my marriage. And of course, you know that as a pastor, you know, my wife and I have been married 30 years. Next month, we have a perfect marriage. So this is all theoretical for me. <laughs> is there a lightning bolt coming down for me? But Oswald Chambers said, it's not, have you been wronged? It's, have you wronged? And early on in my marriage, I was like, here, here's basically how my prayer, prayers went. It's like, oh God, show her that she's wrong. 
really? Like, like God's in heaven going, I knew it. I knew she was wrong. Okay, I'm on it, JD. I'll get right on that. No. <laughs> it's more like, oh, 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 you want me to show her that she's wrong? <sighs> A couple months ago, I, I opened up the cabinet. I don't know where this came from. I need to talk to Pastor Mac about this, but there's a log. And it says, remove from I before speaking. Matthew 7. (laughs) So here I am, Lord, get that speck out of her eye. And God's going, oh really? I can't. Sorry. (laughs) I have to get the log out of yours first. Ouch. I got the scars to prove it too, by the way. Listen to what Matthew 5, uh, Jesus said, verses 43 through 45. I need to move a little faster here. like a lot faster. (laughs) Let me preface it this way. This is the how behind the what of praying for someone with whom you are angry. This is the key. The secret, if you will. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and, here it is, (laughs) wait for it, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For real? Yeah. I'm to pray for my enemies? Yeah. I'm to love my enemies? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's not an easy do. I hate them. Let's be honest. Again, we're in church. I don't want to love them. I'm certainly not going to pray for them. Oh, but here's the thing. If you pray for them, you'll love them. That's how it works. That's how God wired us. Yeah, my wife would, uh, again, this is many years ago when I had an imperfect marriage. My wife would (laughs) say to me, you know, I love you, but I don't like you right now. She has to love me, right? I'm supposed to always love her, but I don't like you right now. In fact, I hate you right now. I love you, but I hate you. Okay. Well, if I feel that way, then I make the choice to pray, and the hate will go away. Because again, you cannot remain angry or upset with someone for whom you are praying. That's how God made us. We have a problem, and I want to address it in the remainder of our time together today, and it's the matter of unanswered prayer. I am keenly aware that there are those who would say, you know, when I pray, nothing happens. I mean... Maybe for you, you know, when you pray, God moves His mighty hand on your behalf and changes everything and changes you, but 
I pray and seems like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. What I want to share with you, it's not exhaustive, it's not in any particular order, but over the years I've kind of put together a list of what I see as the seven biggest reasons as to why prayers remain unanswered. And I'll go through these quickly. The first one's very specific to husbands. So wives, uh, don't elbow your husbands. And husbands, uh, we need to talk. (laughs) Unanswered prayer can be due to a husband who mistreats their wives. There's this verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, that to this day searches my heart, and rightfully so. Listen to what the Apostle Peter wrote. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, that's in the physiological sense, not inferior spiritually or in any other way, physiologically. And as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that, listen, nothing will hinder your prayers. Did you catch that? Let's flip that around, which is what I always like to do when it comes to Scripture, to have a better understanding. If Peter is saying that the way I treat my wife has the potential to hinder my prayers then wouldn't that also mean that if I treat my wife respectfully, dwell with her in understanding, as another translation renders it, very interesting word in the original, and am considerate and loving that my prayers will be heard? You betcha. You betcha. Talk about having scars to prove something. I've got many scars to prove this. Many times I'm petitioning the throne and the Holy Spirit in that still, small, gentle voice says, stop right there. Do not go any further. It's not that I don't want to answer your prayer. I cannot answer your prayer because of the way you're treating your wife. You get that right first and you come back and we'll talk. But until then, I cannot. I cannot. You need to make that right. So I remember a pastor sharing once that he would always leave the house early on Sunday morning before his wife woke up so that he wouldn't get into a fight before he preached. (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, the enemy's right there. Timing is everything, right? And there's nothing that the enemy would love more than for me to get behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do, and talk with you like I am today about marriage. And here I just left the house where my wife's going, man, I I sure wish that I was married to the same guy that's behind that pulpit every Sunday. One time, she, this is on the mainland, she, many years ago, again, when I had an imperfect marriage, she, she said to one of my elders, she said, you know, I, I want to take this pulpit home. Can you guys load it up in the back here? <laughs> and she said it with an earshot. She knew I was right there. I'm like, I'm going, you know, guys, we don't get it, right? I'm like, why do you want to take the pulpit home? <laughs> because I want the man that's behind it here at the church, in my home. No wonder my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling, man. 
Okay, I'm getting way too convicted. Let's move on to the second one. <laughs> the second reason, and I, you'll forgive my, uh, this is, I mean, it's, uh, and, uh, you would think is a firm grasp of the obvious, but unanswered prayer can be due to unasked prayer. And this, of course, is what James wrote in chapter 4, second part of verse 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. Have you ever heard someone say, or maybe you've even said it yourself, God already knows what I need, why do I have to pray? (laughs) Because it's not like when you pray you're talking God into something. No, you need to pray because prayer changes you. Prayer changes you. And by the way, dare I say, that one of the greatest sins, and I'm going to be strong in saying this, one of the greatest sins in the church today is to complicate prayer. I shared one time about how, and nothing wrong with this, but E.M. Bounds, I mean, he has written voluminously on prayer. Got my hands on a thick volume on prayer. This huge book. I'm like, man, I'm going to read this book on prayer. So I start to read it and the Holy Spirit's like going, dude, that's not how the Holy Spirit talks to me, but in the time that it takes you to read this book, do you realize how much you could have prayed? That book sits on my shelf to this day (laughs) and I just instead just prayed. Prayer is simply talking to God. That's all prayer is. Please don't let the enemy get away with complicating just talking with your heavenly Father. That's all prayer is. Ask. Ask. This sort of ties into the third reason for unanswered prayer, which is that when we do ask, our motives are wrong or our motives are selfish. James goes on to write, chapter 4, verse 3, when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You know, as you mature in Christ and grow in grace, you really come to appreciate the prayers that God did not answer because they would have been horrible if He did. You know, I keep a prayer list I have for many, many years. And I go back, I mean, we're talking about 20 years. And I look at some of the prayers I pray. It's very interesting to see what God did, you know, way back then. But uh, I, I look at some of those prayers that I prayed, and I just cringe. I am mortified. I'm like, oh, God. I almost, you know, find myself going, God, Delete this one. (laughs) Scratch that. Don't answer that because, oh my goodness, if you would have answered that prayer the way I prayed it, thankfully he does not. Here's the fourth reason, and it's a biggie. It's because what I'm asking for is not the will of God. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. The Apostle John writes, this is the confidence, I like that word, you can be confident, bold in prayer. We have in approaching God that if we ask anything 
according to his will, he will hear us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Cool. Oh Lord, won't you go? A Mercedes Benz. There's a reason why that that Mercedes Benz is not in your driveway. (laughs) It's not God's will. No, that's not to say that, you know, you can't have nice things as long as those nice things don't have you, but that's not God's will for your life. That's why you have a Hyundai in your uh, driveway instead. (laughs) But it's not God's will. And then number five, it's not God's timing. This is a hard one because in a way you could say that God will always answer your prayers. You just may not like the answer. Because either the answer is going to be yes, no, or wait. I got to tell you, I'm, I can usually handle a no, but boy, when God says wait, I hate to wait. And so do you, so don't look at me all spiritual. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Interesting. Listen to this. Therefore, the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. Have you ever thought of it that way? That God delaying is not God denying, it's rather God being merciful and gracious to you in delaying. Sometimes our prayer is too small, too low. God say, really? You want me to give you that now? I want to give you this, if you'll wait. Way more better. It's been said, that if the timing is wrong, God says slow. If I'm wrong, God says grow. If the request is wrong, God says no. But if I'm right, and the timing is right, and the request is right, God says, here you go. Sometimes it's just a matter of timing. And that ties in with the Sixth reason for unanswered prayer. And this is an interesting one because it's a lack of persistence on my part and I just give up too quickly. In Luke's gospel, the 18th chapter, Jesus teaches a parable about this tenacious and persistent widow who would just not give up in seeking and pleading for justice against her adversary. And finally, this unjust judge, not to be compared with God, a just and righteous judge, but he finally just says, man, just to get her to quit bothering me, I'm just going to give it to her, just because she's, she's not going to give up. And the point of the parable is in the first verse of chapter 18, where we're told that Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. By the way, let me parenthetically say, 
that this is so true when it comes to that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter, never, 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 never give up. You persist. You keep praying. Do not grow weary in well-doing and well-praying, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. I I made this statement uh, a while back, but a prodigal son or daughter is no match for a praying parent. Never give up. Never give up. God loves your son, your daughter more than you ever could. And you're praying according to His will, right? Don't give up. You will have that which you ask for. Persist. And don't lose heart. This last one, I'm sorry I'm ending on this one. I don't want to get up in anyone's grill. But certainly unanswered prayer can be the result of regarding sin in my heart. In Psalm 66, I want to read both verses 18 and 19 for a reason. I think you'll see why here and we'll close. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now this is not talking about sinlessness. This is talking about unconfessed sin, living a life above reproach. A heart of integrity. A heart of purity. If you cherish sin, you regard iniquity, you hide sin in your heart. Again, it's not that God won't, it's that God cannot. It's inconsistent with who He is and how good He is. And this is why verse 19 is so important. David writes, but certainly God has heard me He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Because again, this is one of those where you need to flip it around. In other words, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear my prayer. That also means that if I don't cherish sin or regard or hide iniquity in my heart, God will hear. You come to Him with a right heart, a pure heart. That's why purity is so powerful. And that's why it is, by the way, and maybe this is a word for somebody here today, that Satan is always tempting us towards impurity because he knows that if he can get us walking in impurity and not walking in integrity, he has stripped us of the very power that is ours by prayer. That confidence He strips us. He steals it from us. And Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's how he destroys us. There's a lot to learn from this joyful New Testament book, Philippians. And we're so glad you've joined us to walk through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Philippians isn't just about the Apostle Paul's rejoicing, though. There are many references to this emotion. This book is also honest about the difficulties that followers of Christ will face. People will oppose the truth of the gospel, and you may face persecution from non-believers. But you can rest assured that Jesus knows, and He sees, and He can change lives anyway. You can be glad and rejoice in the Lord just as Paul did. 
If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings on this book, you'll find them on our website. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen. You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. You can access these updates through our website. Again, that address is in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today and join us next time right here on In Spirit and Truth. truth, truth.